Corporation. And Gunnar did one of the most amazing things. He wrote a resume for Shelly as if she was applying for a job as mom for him. And uh, she cried a lot more than I did. So, um, But, you know, God, God thinks of everything. I mean, my mom's here. My mother-in-law's here. My sister's here. Shelly's sister's here. And, uh, and I thank God for that. And one thing I really thank God for is uh, the music, music ministry. And Paul Figueroa was singing behind me. And Paul can really sing because if Mike West would have been behind me, it would have been a whole different deal. He can't even make a joyful noise. So God, God thinks of everything. Amen. Amen. Get to have a little fun with Mike. No. For those who are on Facebook Live and, you know, we, we have a television broadcast, you can stop adjusting your contrast. I'm not Pastor Goodluck. All right. No mistake about that. But, but we, my wife and I, our family, we, we love Pastor Goodluck and Pastor Angela dearly. We've been serving up underneath them for more than 12 years now. And uh, it's been a great, fulfilling, joyful service. I love coming to church. I love seeing my friends. And uh, thank you very much for, I tell Pastor, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to come in and, and preach with you all. I appreciate that. I want to just just take a moment to recognize my mom. You know, I was a hyperactive kid that was always breaking everything. I got banned from stores in the Galleria. I used to jump off the house. I'm not making this up and run. I would, we had a one-story house. I used to jump off of it. And my dad worked three jobs and always had a couple jobs going. And my mom was the one that would get out and throw the baseball with me and shoot baskets with me and throw the football with me, if you can believe that. My mom was an all-state athlete in many sports. And I got just a little bit of that. But thank you, Mom. I love you. I appreciate that. I want to go in and get into Thank you. Thank you. I promised Pastor I wouldn't go past an hour and a half. So I promised him. He brought me in for counseling. But I do want to open this up in prayer. So if you'll bow your heads, please. Father God, I'm so thankful to have this opportunity here this morning to fellowship with our congregation, but mainly, Lord, to fellowship with you. You're the author of everything. You're the author of love. And, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here in the Ark Fellowship, and I thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives. So, Lord, I give you permission to move this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit, and I thank you for blessing us in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was working all week, and I knew a lot of people were praying for me and uh, had a really busy week at work. And I just, you know, with Mother's Day, and I've been fortunate, like I said, to be blessed with a great mom. Shelly's an awesome mom. And... Uh, both these ladies have been real blessings to me. My mother-in-law is a great mother-in-law. Though I say mother-in-law, like, like I don't like it. I love you, May May. You know that. And uh, but but as I, as I started to pray and I started to get into this and you know what does the Lord want me to to talk about? You know, and they were our last song was, you know, we serve a good good God, right? Amen. We do. I mean, He thinks of everything. I mean, Paul singing behind me just made me think again how He thinks of everything. I mean, and, and so. As I started to put this lesson together and I started to focus on love, I, you know, God started to remind me of different experiences I've had with him. And, uh, Theresa, can we go to our first slide here? Because one of the things, you know, scripturally, when I started looking, I started thinking about to live as Christ. The only way we could do that, very simply, is to love as Christ. It's, it really is that simple. It's not a complicated message that I'm going to give you here today. It's not. It's the walking, the doing. It's, it's learning what love is and how to love appropriately. And you'll see that I have some, some scriptures here. And so when we get into 1 Corinthians here, 
uh, you know, the first scripture. Well, go on to the next slide, please. So, you know, in order to live as Christ, we must we must learn to love as Christ. But in order to do that, I mean, love means something different to everybody. Agreed? We, we have different degrees of love. There are just different kinds of love. I mean, when you do research on it, I was researching, and they were they were talking about um, uh, a, a bear cub, and a mother cub is so protective. A mother bear is so protective of her cubs that if she even smells you, even comes around, you don't, you don't have to threaten them. You just have to be in the vicinity. And so researchers started to look at that, and they started to say, well, why is that? Well, then they, they went into that it's, uh, it has to do with the feeding of the cub, the breast milk, the peptides that get released. And I was sitting there, and I was reading that, and I was like, no, they just, they just love their babies. Scientifically, that might be true. But when you love somebody, someone, you will go way beyond what you would normally do if you didn't. Amen? Can you, can you go to the next one for me, please? So Webster's Dictionary, I looked it up because I just was kind of curious, you know. So uh, love, strong affection for anything arising out of kinship or personal ties. And then the one that I saw was uh, maternal love for children, which, you know, we're celebrating Mother's Day. That seems appropriate. And I thought, I don't think that the definition really does justice what I've seen in my own life with my mom and, and Shelly. I, I don't think it does. And I know it doesn't do justice for what the way that God has loved me. And for those of you who don't know me, I've been hearing from the Lord since I was four years old. Amen. Raised in the Catholic Church, wanted to be a priest. Amen. Almost got there. I'm here now. Amen. It's a joke from my mom. You know, Catholics. But, but, but my, my point of saying that is a definition of love in no way, a scientist writing about love in no way can truly and accurately define what love is. Now I'm talking about God's love, right? The Father's love. I'm talking about where you go when you've, you know you've fallen down. Because see, with God, it's about relationship. It's not about being perfect. If it was, Christ wouldn't have come and died on the cross. If we could all be perfect, let's, let's be honest. We, we wouldn't, he wouldn't have had to do that for us. Amen? But because that didn't happen, God's love had to be invoked and it had to be kicked in. Next slide for me, please. So 1 Corinthians, you know, I read this, and I've read this, uh, I don't know how many times. I'm going to say a thousand times. It might even be more. But if you look at scripturally in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it, it tells us what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, love uh, does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And as, as I looked at this, I started thinking, wait a minute. Of what it describes love, it talks more about what love isn't than what love is. Have you ever noticed that? Has anybody ever noticed that? And so as I'm studying this week and I'm thinking about it, and I started thinking, why would God remind us scripturally what love is not? Why is that? And I really started to think about it. What is God trying to show us here? And as I read, and I read, and you know, love's not proud. So clearly those things, being boastful, envy, and, and pride, they're not of God. They can't be of God. And because they can't be of God, they can't be of love. Amen? And I don't know where everybody is in their relationships, uh, you know. And, and quite frankly, you may not know where you are in some of your relationships. But if you would 
if you would take the Word of God and examine, I mean, just, just you know, be honest with yourself. Just examine your relationships and hold this up. Because that's what I started to do. I started to really look at this and hold this up and say, okay, so um, I've been very blessed in my life. I have a lot of great friends, and I don't have a problem uh, telling a man that I, that I love him. I don't, I don't have a problem kissing my father on the cheek. I don't. To me, life is very short. We need to learn to appropriately love, but mainly we need to learn to walk as Christ walked. And it's not, it's not about looking at your own failures or other people's failures. It's not about that. Those things happen. It's, it's you know, love. And, and I was explaining this to, I'll talk about my own family. Uh, and my wife and I were talking one day, and she corrects me a lot, and I get it. I make a, make a lot of mistakes, but I'm having fun, you know, having a good time. Uh, and I was telling a, a friend of mine, you know, Shelly corrects me a lot, and I really don't correct her that much. And I think it was you, Doug, Doug Webb. I really don't correct you that much because I, my love has grown so much. I love everything about my wife, even the flaws, even the things that would set you back. And you know I love you, honey. But the reason why I say that, when I'm traveling, and I do travel from time to time with my job, I, I'm away from my family. I miss those things. Not the snoring. I don't miss that. But I, I miss... Oops. <laughs> Having a little fun. But, 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 but sincerely, I, I miss those things because I, I truly love my wife. And if you were to ask me about, we got married when I was 26 years old. I'm 52 years old. We're celebrating our anniversary, 26th wedding anniversary next month on June 15th. Gunnar, don't let me forget that. Um, no, I wouldn't forget that. But 26 years, been together 28 years. Um, I, I think my own definition of love has changed so much. I don't even know if I went back and spoke to myself. I would even recognize myself. Amen? I definitely didn't know what I was getting when I got Shelly. But I did know this. On our second or third date, I knew I was going to marry her. Even though she didn't like me. I was way too cocky and all that, you know. The pride thing. That's not of love. Next slide, please. I got to get out of this. It does not dishonor others. There's a difference between loving somebody, correcting them, and dishonoring them. There really is. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes on to say that everything we're to do is to be done in love. If you're going to do correction, it's to be in love. And me being an athlete... uh, Gene Conyers here was my first coach, uh, first track coach that I ever had. There's something about a great coach when he corrects you, you know he wants you to improve, to get better, to reach your full potential. And so, you know, when you're, you're constantly looking at your ability to get, to get better, to be better, right? And where you are, most people, it's a hockey stick, right? You start off slow and then you start accelerating up. But if you've ever had a great coach or a great mentor, someone that can be really honest with you, when they're giving you criticism, it's not bad because they just want you to get better. Matter of fact, not only do they want you to be better, a lot of times they just want you to be your absolute best. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be our best every day, all the time. 
Now, let's not be naive. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'm walking through one of my buddy's houses, and it says, The world is a very loud place. The Holy Spirit whispers. Find a place where you can hear the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because at the end of the day, it's one thing to take correction from a coach. Gene Connie was a great coach, coached in Junior Olympics for another year, ran with him in high school. It's another thing to be disciplined and corrected by God. So if you find yourself and you're not walking in the light, you're walking in the darkness, and all of a sudden God quickly corrects you and pulls you back into the light, it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he loves you, and he'll expose what you're doing immediately. And I mean immediately. And it's our opportunity then to face up as men and women or or children. Are we truly walking as Christ would want us to walk? Are we truly fulfilling our calling? And you may be 40 years old and not know your calling. You may be 24 years old and not know your calling. But that doesn't mean that you can't hear from God. And that doesn't mean that you cannot pursue a relationship with your Father in heaven. And I mean truly pursue it. And put things aside that are distracting you. And put things aside that really have no place in your life. Look, the world's really busy. You know, I always hate when I buy a computer and then the next week they have another computer out with a faster ship. I'm in the tech sector, right? And and it never ends, right? The world never ends. It's always a, a better car, a faster car. But when it comes to our relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with others, can we truly say that we gave it all? Can we be honest with ourselves? And I'm talking about our relationships with others, our friends. You know, when I was a children's pastor here, I always used to joke about Disney. You know, love is not playing lickety face. You know, edit that out if you want to. I don't care. It's, it's, not, it's not kissing on TV. That, that, that's not love. That's affection. Love, as Chris Fuentes told me this morning, we were praying together. Love is putting somebody's feelings and putting their desires above your own. That's one definition of love. It's one of the best ones I've ever heard. Think about that. Putting somebody's feelings and desires above your own. Can we go to the next slide, please? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. You know, when, when you think about, I was, I was at work and one of the guys I was talking to, he was like, man, Big Al, everybody calls me Big Al. Big Al, does it not seem like everything's just really getting worse and worse and worse? And the next guy next to him said, well, you know, we got 24 coverage. We've got, we've got all these news feeds. We've got, you know, everything can be immediately tagged and photos sent out. And that might be true. But I said, it seems like the tone is changing. Things that were once wrong are now okay or maybe even right. Things that were right are now not okay or wrong. And, you know, don't debate politics at work. It's, it's not good. It, it won't get you very far, you know, because it's always a, it's a, it's a win-lose, right? There's always going to be somebody typically in the room that doesn't agree with you. But I started to think about this, and I started thinking, so when you come to the point when you delight in something evil, wow. And as I read the Scripture, I thought, you know, 
I'll just put it to you like this. When my friends hurt, when my family hurts, I hurt. When I see people crying because they're stressed out, even at work, it upsets me. I think one of the greatest things that I've learned in reading the Bible about our Lord Jesus Christ was his compassion. Compassion. He would go anywhere and everywhere to heal all those that would listen to him. He would go. He would make the effort. In other words, he would serve. Next, please. I'm sorry, I have to keep saying next. I, I, you know, Teresa and I, we don't do this a lot, so I just got to make sure that we're keeping up with one another. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always preserves. Love is a very unique thing. It's dynamic. It's not static. I can tell you right now, if you love the same yesterday as today, or if you go back 20 years, I would tell you to reassess where you are as a person because love is very dynamic. And I know I thought I loved my wife and then the birth of our children and seeing the birth of our children. And I always tell people, if you don't believe in God, just watch the birth of a child. That is an absolute miracle. And seeing and experiencing and watching my wife, who carried Rodden and Gunner around for nine months, approximately 40 weeks, you know, talking to them while they were in her womb and her belly, and then seeing her. And then I read something this morning that just blew me away. It said that, this was on a, on a website that, that popped up uh, based on my likes and what I was researching, and it said that researchers have found that a mother smiles at a baby long before the baby can smile back long before and talks to the baby long before it can before the baby can talk but researchers have also found that <laughs> when the baby reciprocates when the baby can smile and speak back that relationship that bond is so much greater so the little things that we do that you think go unnoticed the little things that you're doing today that you think other people don't see you know, body language is 85% of what we communicate. It's not our words. It's our tone. It's our body language. Are we defensive? And, and so as we start to study these things, and I think about, I don't know about you guys, but, man, I just would have really liked to have been with Christ when he did something. Just, I mean, really, just, just, you know, my buddies have gone back to Israel, and they've walked the streets, and they said, man, Big Al, it's amazing. You can, you can feel the presence of the Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I feel the presence of the Lord. I invite in the Holy Spirit. I also invite in the Holy Spirit to show me where I've been wrong, things that I can correct, things that I can do better. Uh, trust God. Absolutely trust God. And I know in being on staff with Pastor Goodluck and Pastor Angela and our pastors here, you know, Pastor Andy and Irina, I trust them too. And if they were to come to me and give me some criticism, I would take it. I mean, I'd do anything about it, but but I would no. I would I would listen. My point is, I would listen. I, I, I would, I would, out of respect for them, but mainly because I love them, I would listen, and I would make sure that whatever I uh, put into motion, that I would follow through on it, and make a change in my life for better. Right. Because, I, you know, I work with a lot of athletes, and I always tell the parents, the day that you care about their athletics more than they do, 
you have a problem. You have a disconnect. The day that you find yourself getting them up out of bed, telling them what to eat, what time their practices are, what time their game is, is their uniform clean, the day that all that happens, you've got a problem. Because when you lose your passion, you start going through the motions. And you, you have to be, I believe, you have to be passionate to get yourself to a place where when you truly love something, your passion has to show. I love my family. Hopefully you know that. They know that. I love the Lord. Hopefully you know that. And God knows that. Next slide, please. My favorite line of all. Love never fails. And we can stop right there. Love never fails. Let me put it to you like this. God will never fail you. You put your trust in God. You seek the Lord. You're praying. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the greatest things, you know, in the Bible, when you read about all the things that happened, all the experiences that God had with all the different leaders in the Bible, and it always seemed like when it was darkest that the Lord came through the brightest. And that's the way it is. You know, when they talked about Pastor Andy yesterday having a stroke, I'd forgotten that Pastor Andy had a stroke. Praise God. I guess I knew that. But Pastor Andy gets better every time I see him. And I've just forgotten that, you know. Now, I'll keep praying for you. I think I forgot to pray for you too. But I'll keep praying for you. But no, no, I mean, I'm just making a joke about it. But, but God doesn't forget. God does not forget. He doesn't forget the first prayer you said. And he doesn't forget the last prayer you said. And he won't forget you. And he won't forget me. And that should give us comfort knowing that God's definition of love is probably so much different than my definition or your definition. But, again, my goal is to not only enlighten myself, but enlighten everybody on who God is. By the way I walk, by what I say, by the words that I use, by my actions. And hopefully, when we're out there and we're representing the kingdom of God, we're representing the kingdom the way that God would want us to represent the kingdom. Amen? Amen? And I know the world's a busy place. So I put this up, and I really prayed about this, and I had somebody tell me this a long time ago, and I'm, I'm going to say it, and you'll, you'll get it. Some people are just harder to love than others. Amen? Am I getting a reaction? I thought y'all... No, but some people are, they're just, they're just, they're harder to love than others. And, and, and what I mean by that is you love on them, you show them kindness, respect, you show them your patience. They don't reciprocate. They don't change. As a matter of fact, they might even push you away. They may start building walls. They may not even want to talk to you anymore. About this stuff. But remember what I told you. 85% of all communication is nonverbal. When I read the article about the mother smiling at the baby before the baby could even smile back, this uh, research scientist has said that they, they, they said, they thought, as much as they could measure it, that the mother had smiled at the baby 
maybe over one million times before the baby could ever reciprocate, could ever smile back. And I started thinking about this. How many times, how many times do we have to treat somebody with kindness, with patience? How many times before they respond back? Let me put it to you like this. The world doesn't believe what we believe. The world doesn't really care about these things. And one of the things that I think you'll find is because somebody's harder to love than others, doesn't mean we stop. Doesn't mean we stop loving them. Doesn't mean that we don't care. What it means is, next slide. We serve. We serve. You know, Pastor Goodluck talks about when he was in college, his roommate hated him. He bought him a pair of shoes. Changed their whole relationship. We serve. When someone comes against you and, you know, it's hard to fight against peace. You know, we, we, we were at the fire and, and uh, we were with Buddy and Buddy and Gina are just awesome. Their kids are awesome. And uh, we went to the fire, and, and Pastor Angela was there with us, and some other people were there. I think Doug was there. And uh, one of the pastors came up and gave Shelly a word, but he started off giving me a word, and he stopped in the middle, and he said, hmm, this word isn't for you, Al. This word's for your wife. And here's what he said. He said, the word I have for you is peace. Wow. Peace. He said, Shelly, when you show up, you bring peace. He said, let me tell you how important that is. You can't war against peace. You can't fight against peace. It's very hard to come against peace. In other words, it takes two to fight. I've been at a disadvantage my whole marriage. I haven't won a single argument. No, we've only ever had three arguments that I can remember, and I lost all three of them because it was my, my, my fault. I mean, I, I have a problem saying that. But think about that. If you were going to be represented by anything, if anybody was going to use a word to describe you, and they used the word peace, Come on. I was floored. Now, I love my wife. And like I said, I love everything about my wife. And until he said that, I didn't really recognize that. But once he said it, I knew it. Amen? I tell people when I interview with people, when I interview them, I don't know what it is. I can't describe it. But I know this. You got it. You got it, and you deserve to work here. You deserve that. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? It's hard to describe that it factor, but we meet Pete every day that either have it or they don't have it. And I can tell you, my wife has peace and it gets frustrating because <laughs> I'm a salesman. Quick no is better than a long yes for all you guys out there. Quick no. All right. Next slide, please. Talking about serving, this is out of Ephesians 6. The Lord says, because some people are harder to love than others, and the way I took the scripture is, we're not serving the people, we're not serving them, we're serving God. Amen? And when I read this, it made me feel a lot better about 
things that I've been doing, things that I've been trying to do. It made me feel a lot better. It encouraged me is what I'm trying to say. It encouraged me so much that I think, you know what, because that person doesn't receive what I'm saying or that person doesn't, you know, you bless somebody, but they really don't receive the blessing. You ever been there? You, You truly in your heart, you're trying to bless somebody and don't receive the blessing, you know. But when I read this scripture, it made it all worthwhile to me. It made me think, this is what we're doing. We're serving the Lord. Even when they don't receive it, even when they don't accept it, God sees what we're doing. God accepts it. You know, Paul said, I have many, many crowns in heaven waiting on me. When I read this, I could relate to uh, some of the things that Paul was saying. I want to... Next slide, please. I I have a thought, but I'll get to it. Final thing is uh, sacrifice. To to live as Christ lived, we have to we have to serve and we have to sacrifice. I found this definition uh, during the week to be find uh, very beneficial. What we're talking about: destruction or surrender of something for the sake of, also something given up or lost. Example: the sacrifice may be by parents, i.e., worldly sacrifices equals time and money. Your child comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to play soccer." You're like me. The first thing you, the first thing I think of, okay, how much time does that take, and how much equipment do we need? Just, just a little thought that I had when my kids were in sports. But without, if you're going to serve others, you're going to have to sacrifice. Let me put it to you like this: If you're going to serve, you're going to have to sacrifice for others. And if in your life you're not sacrificing anything, and it's all about you, you know, when we're younger, it's all about us, right? When I talk to teenagers, I always say, man, I was 16. I was perfect. And I'm just talking about my hair. <laughs> my, my point is your, your reference changes as you get older. But when I, when I looked up and I saw this, something given up or lost. And I'll take you back to a Bible study that I was in probably no more than uh, 15 years ago at the YMCA. And uh, one of the guys was talking to us. And there's, there's about 50, 50 men in the room. And afterwards, we'd break and we'd play basketball for a couple hours. We'd get up there at 5 o'clock in the morning. It was awesome. And uh, having people that are like-minded, and that, that's really a great place to be. It's a great environment to be. But one of the guys said something about his, his wife. And the Lord spoke to me and said, <laughs> I'll just be brutally honest with what he said. He said, those 19-year-old girls that he looks at have sacrificed nothing. They haven't had children. They haven't worked. They don't have stress. They're not on their own. And I knew where God was going with that. Amen? You hear where I'm going with this, where God was going with this? They have sacrificed nothing. I saw my wife. First of all, it took Shelly and I about seven years to get pregnant. So I, I saw what happened every single time. When we found out that we weren't expecting. But I also saw the sacrifices that my wife made, the medications, the going to the doctor, the time, and the stress before Ryland and Gunnar were even born. And I can still recall those feelings. I don't know about you, but I can always recall my feelings. And I can recall the time when I told Shelly that, honey, I know we're going to have children. I know we are. 
And one day these tears that we're crying of pain are going to be tears of joy. It's hard for me to think about life without Ryland and Gunner. It really is. Because they've given us so much joy. But it's hard for me to really think about life without Shelly. Because most of the things that I've experienced, even with God, you know, when I look at my life with Shelly, I've been with Shelly. Shelly and I have been together longer, more than half my life. What an awesome opportunity. What an awesome relationship that I get to celebrate with God. I'm almost done. Y'all don't have to leave. Final, please. I want to talk to you about Christ's sacrifice for us. I mean, these aren't Bible stories. These are real things that happen. Jesus Christ marks time. Every time you write the date in your checkbook or you write the date down, it means the year of our Lord. And I did a teaching on this when I was in Bible study one time. They're now trying to change the signature mark. It still means the year of our Lord. Jesus Christ marks time. It's no coincidence. Just like it's no coincidence you're here today. What, what we have to think about is giving God permission to move in our lives. And are we willing and are we able to serve the Lord the way that the Bible says? Sacrifice. Service. Now, that might mean something different to everybody that's here. But to me, what that means is God put us first. He put us first. And I can tell you that because Jesus died on the cross for me and for you. God put us first. Are we willing to love as Christ loved? Are we willing to do that? I told Pastor I would do a, a, an altar call. I'm not, not going to have you come up. I just want you to sit where you are. If you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes and just take a moment and think, am I where God wants me to be, has called me to be? Am I there? Thank you. It's really hot up here. Just take a moment and close your eyes. Lord, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to deliver your word today. Lord, what you've done in my own life. And Lord, I ask you today, with your people here, with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, to just search their hearts and ask themselves, am I truly loving the way that God has called me to love as Christ loved? To pick up everything or put down everything. To walk and know that I'm lined up with your word. To put others first. To serve others. And Lord, I ask you, if we're not in touch with our love for you, if we have a heart of stone concerning you, Give us a heart of flesh so that we can feel your love again. You're our God. Lord, there's no one like you. And whether we find ourselves today, Father, as we walked in this building to fellowship with you, 
in a good place or a place that we can improve. Father God, I just declare right now that you are God. You will move upon our, our lives and upon our behalf. I give your Holy Spirit to move on us, Father God. As I did in the beginning, I'll say in the end. What I'm trying to say, Lord, is I'm asking all of us to give you a chance. So if you'd like to give God a chance, just raise your hand, stay where you are. If things with God aren't where you want them to be, just raise your hand. And just tell the Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just tell the Lord. Lord, I want more of you. Thank you for those hands. And Father God, I just declare that this is only the beginning and not the end. That you will take what we have and you will continue to bless us. Continue to speak to us and show us your undying love. And Lord, as we leave this place, because we have so many mothers here, so many mothers that are represented, Lord, I ask you to do a new thing in those relationships that need to be done. Lord, I ask you to strengthen those relationships. And Lord, I ask you to do that through showing them you and your love. And finally, Lord, I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to, to preach your word. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here at the Ark Fellowship. And Lord, I just praise and glorify your name. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. Amen.